Startup Stories DSM features conversations with entrepreneurs in Greater Des Moines, Iowa, who share their stories of what worked and what failed on their entrepreneurial journey. This podcast is produced by the Greater Des Moines Partnership. More tips and resources are available at dsmpartnership.com slash business resources. I'm your host, Mike Caldwell, Executive Director of Entrepreneurial Initiatives at The Partnership. Talis Strube and Caitlin Byers, welcome to Startup Stories. How did you two meet? Yeah, thanks so much for having us here today. We're thrilled to be a part of your podcast. So Talis and I met in a young professionals group in Cedar Rapids, Iowa. Uh, the name of the group is Impact CR, and we had both just joined the board. And I sort of remember walking in, and one of us made a joke, and the other one laughed, and it was like the rest of the room was silent. So we kind of were these it was fast friendship, um, and we both kind of came from entrepreneurial mindsets and immediately clicked. So it was it was kind of an instant friendship. Yeah, I want to say we were probably friends for a year or two before we ever started this venture. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so our spouses are also friends. We bike a lot, grilled out a lot. Uh, it was kind of just a very natural thing. So your spouse, spouses can commiserate about your startup challenges? <laughs> Is that what you're telling me? Exactly. Yeah. I'm sure they do. Well, there, there's actually, I don't know if you know this, there's a book called Startup Relationships by Brad Felt. So he's written a lot of books about the startup community. And he's dead serious about it because startups ruin a lot of relationships. And uh, I know a lady here in town who, while she had a, a phenomenal run, a uh, huge exit for her, uh, she lost pretty much her family and, and her husband. So it's it's a good idea to keep those relationships. Tell us, you're a dancer. How did you move from dance to startup? Um, well, in all honesty, I haven't completely moved from, and I think the key there is that I am a dancer. I don't know that I can change that. It's been a lifelong part of me, and I continue to own a dance studio and, and teach classes, uh, but Mary My City is something that I'm also very passionate about, and so um, I have been a small business owner for a long time while teaching dance, but the startup is a very different model that I'm excited uh, about continuing with Caitlin. Well, and the, and the small business background will serve you well because most small business uh, owners learn the world of cash flow and all those things early on, so they don't have to have that learning curve on the financials, so... Caitlin, how about you? How did, what's your background, and how did you get to the point of being part of Marry My City? So I started off in education. Um, I was traveling a bit, teaching abroad, came back um, to the area, and fell into the world of development work through a community foundation. Um, kind of around that time, I was coming up with the concept, Marry My City, and in all honesty, applied to an accelerator program, which I now work for. Um, and was declined. They said, you know, you need to find a co-founder. It's a very early stage. But we have another position open. So um, I took a job with NUBOCO, which stands for the New Bohemian Innovation Collaborative, located in Cedar Rapids. And there's a clear focus on a few different facets, um, including tech education, startup education, and corporate innovation. And so I do some fundraising stuff for them part-time, uh, which includes grant writing, donor retention, uh, corporate sponsorship, maintaining our community partnerships, that sort of thing. So I'm, I'm a little bit in that startup world on the daily, which is fantastic to be a part of that community and consistently have that synergy around me. Well, and you've got a bunch of good mentors over there. I work with Eric a lot. We do things together, and those that's a very, very good team. It I was going to ask you what a development person does, but it's, it is pretty much around fundraising and retaining um, 
the existing funders, that type of thing. Right, right. And we actually just uh, attended a fantastic uh, Raising Capital seminar, um, which, you know, the, the, the idea of fundraising is a little bit different in my role, but it, um, some, of the, some similarities when it comes to startup funding. So it's kind of nice to, to see that across those two spectrums. So Yeah, thanks for the plug on the event. <laughs> it was great. <laughs> Thank you. So how, how did you come to start Mary My City? Well, like Caitlin alluded to, uh, she had applied for that accelerator with this idea for um, a version of, of Marry My City. Um, I, I can't even remember if you had the name yet, but it was just an idea. You were excited about the accelerator. They said, go get a co-founder. And it was like, I don't know, that night. You said, do you want to go on a walk? And we're on a walk, and she's telling me about this idea. And I said, well, it sounds great. And so I think in an hour's worth of conversation while we were on a walk, we just started talking about how how to shape it. And then I don't know that you formally asked me then and there, but maybe the next day you said, would you actually want to be my, you know, my teammate in this? Um, so from there, we actually ended up doing venture school okay. and venture school through, yeah, through JPEG. They, they helped us really shape it and formalize it. And I think after that eight weeks, we knew that one, we'd be a good fit as a team uh, to run a company. And we knew that we actually had a viable business model. So I think from there, we really started Marry My City. We ended up winning the pitch contest. So we had $1,000 to like try something (laughs) and and go from there. So that's really how it started. And credibility. When you win a pitch competition, it's credibility. So you're both married. uh, Did you both get married before you started the company? So you have the experience of that? Or how did that work? So that was a part of our walk, actually, where we were yeah. kind of just sitting there talking about, you know, we'd been to so many different weddings, and we had um, spent so much money at these big box stores, <laughs> and it was really a frustrating experience for us because there wasn't a lot of other options available. Mm-hmm. So uh, we we very much bonded over that. Um, so and, you're talking about giving gifts to others. Right. We had been a part of that um, on, on the guest side, attending these weddings, and Buying the gravy bowls and the wooden spoons and the yeah, trash bins. Yeah. And I felt and, like we were also trying to one up each other on like being creative. Mm-hmm. It's like, okay, I'm not going to use the registry. I'm going to make them something. Yeah. And then it was like the night before fail when you're trying to make them something out of wood that they're going to remember and it just doesn't work. So you right. end up giving them cash and feeling super lame. So, yeah. So we both had that clear frustration. Um, we had identified that problem. And then Talis um, was, has, had been married and been through that process. And I was actually engaged shortly after. And um, so for our wedding, my husband and I, we actually used Mary My City was kind of the MVP. So we... Oh, you were your own. Yeah. We, you ate we your own certainly did. Yeah. yeah. And we didn't really put it out there that it was our company, but um, kind of just jump-started a platform and said, all right, we're going to put all of these items up that really speak to us, these different experiences. Um, and we sold them and people... I mean, it sold out very quickly. And um, it was funny because guests were asking us, you know... Uh, this Mary My City company, can you have them add something else? And it was, we were, you know, behind the scenes running this company. So, sure, yeah. sure. No, I think it's kind of interesting. I have a nephew and he was telling me last year, he's in his early 30s and all his and his wife's friends are getting married. And they literally had one summer where they were, they only had two weekends they were not in a wedding. And he was talking about this exact frustration because he really did care what he gave them. But he said, we finally just got to the point where they both have full-time jobs. One of them owns a business. Like, we're giving cash. That's it. Mm -hmm. Because we just don't have the the mind space and the time to deal with it. So I I totally get it. So how did... 
take us through how specifically Marry My City works. Maybe you could walk us through the process both for uh, the couple that's getting married and then for the uh, the guest that's been invited and sent the infamous registration list. Yeah, of course. So it's similar to um, if you've attended a wedding, it's very similar to creating a registry through, you know, say a big box store like Target, Bed Bath & Beyond. Um, typically you jump onto the platform, you pick out a gift, you know, gift options that speak to you, add them to your registry, and then you publish a link that you give to your guests. And the guests use that link to then go online and shop on your registry page. So ours functions very similarly to that. Go to marrymycity.com, and we have a plethora of experiences for couples to sift through. And, you know, uh, maybe they're more adventure-seeking. Maybe they're looking for date night out. Um, But it's all these local experiences and allows them to create and curate their own registry. Yeah, and I'd like to go into that a little more. I was on your site last night when I was doing some research to talk to you today, and I found a glass blowing class, yes. and I found a terrarium building class, and I was just truly intrigued because we are living in a world where stuff is going away. My wife and I live very small, so it's not a lot of stuff in our life, but it's about experience mm-hmm. and those memorable experiences. So I thought that uh, that was a really interesting couple of things. So talk more about the local experience aspect because I think it you know when you get into what makes you different than every other wedding platform out there Yeah, certainly. Um, In a lot of cases, those experiences already exist, and we're just about finding them. In a couple cases, uh, we might actually be helping a vendor offer a class or an experience like that for the first time. Uh, I think in the case of the glass blowing, she was already doing that and came to us. But uh, we've had a couple opportunities to go into shops where they they might have a retail side, and they've always wanted to try um, maybe... um, a class where couples come in and they create something in their store and it just opens them up to a new customer experience that they haven't had before. So I think it's twofold in how we create those vendor relationships. Okay. So walk us through from the bride's perspective, bride and groom perspective. Um, they're going to pick these out. They, so they just send a link out like anybody else. It's They literally... send it out like anybody else. And as, as the wedding guest, you go to that link and you see a list of options, which are all experiences. And you check out like you normally would on, on Amazon. Okay. So or it's, any it's other the same site. experience. Same checkout experience for you. But yeah. you get to feel really good about giving them an experience over something that might collect dust. So in this transaction, who pays you guys? The vendor actually pays us. Okay. We work out a deal with them where we take a commission from the sale. And do you actually process the transaction and take your percentage then pass on to the vendor? So are you holding the money or are you collecting from the vendor after the fact? Uh, we process the transaction, we hold the money, and we pay out the vendor later on a monthly basis. Makes perfect sense. All right. So your customer at the end of the day, you kind of have a couple of customers because if the vendors aren't happy, that nothing's going to happen. And if the, if the couple's not happy and if the guests aren't happy, so you've got a kind of a, that's an interesting, how does that customer relation process work for you? Yeah, there are a few different segments uh, with a few key ones. So we really focus on those couples. Without the couples, we are not able to reach their guests. So on average in Iowa, for example, there's 211 wedding guests at weddings in Iowa. Really? So that's a lot of people who are coming to the wedding. That's a and lot. A lot. And they're looking to buy a gift. And it's very traditional to just hop on the registry and purchase that, whatever they've registered for. So when we find those couples, um, they're, they're really the ones that are pushing that out to their contacts. 
tax. So we see them as a really integral part of our business. Um, also with vendors, you know, we have to have those relationships, really strengthen those relationships to um, to have those offerings available as well. So um, another key part of the business is allowing for a plethora of experiences across a lot of different um a lot of different categories. And then most certainly the guests, you know, they hop on and, um, and purchase the gift based on what they see on the registry. Um, so right now, kind of our, our two key focus is that, um, that couple side and that vendor side. Yeah, makes perfect sense. So how do you find these vendors? I mean, you mentioned that a little bit, but um, you you do the city by city because there's a local experience. And you recently started in Des Moines. Is that correct? Uh, we recently came to Des Moines in April okay. of this year. And um, yeah, it's very recent. <laughs> um, vendors can find us. Um, we love that. When we do press, we do get vendor hits. They'll go to our site and they'll fill out a form. So we get a ping uh, from them letting, letting us know they'd like to become a partner. Sure. For the most part, though, we're chasing them, um, and we're doing that a couple different ways. One, we're meeting with wonderful organizations like the Des Moines Partnership to let us know who the key players are, what the favorite spots are in town, and then and then we approach those vendors with a little bit of a warm lead sometimes. Um, in other cases, uh, now we've actually deployed a new piece of um, technology, a new feature on our site that allows couples to add a custom experience. And what Mm -hmm. that means is that if they have a favorite place in the city that we don't know about, they can add it anyway. Oh, nice. And it allows them to kind of drive that marketplace to us. So they're curating content for you, basically. Yes. Interesting. So I know that you recently met uh, uh, Christina Moffat from the partnership and got some coaching from her. And then I think you converted her to a vendor as well, didn't you? Uh, we certainly tried to. Reaper. I can't I can't say live that her contract is finalized. But yes, we, uh, okay, we're, we close, have, huh? we're close okay. there. Yeah, we'd love yeah. to get some cupcakes on the site. Graham if she listens to this, Christina, we want your cupcakes. Yeah, because <laughs> uh, yeah, the cupcake and dessert bar, that is an experience. And it's actually quite fun. I've done that in the evenings. And it's kind of a quaint little place. And uh, it's a lot of fun. You bet. And, and we're getting um, some of those local businesses exposure now outside of the state. So sure. um, as Talis mentioned, we have that new feature that allows uh, couples anywhere to create their own experience. So we found that, you know, there's only so far we can get as salespeople yeah. calling and curating those local experiences here in Cedar Rapids, Iowa City and Des Moines. Um, and so we really felt that new feature allows those couples to demand the market elsewhere. So it really offers us, like she said, a warm lead to those new vendors in places that we're unaware of or um, not familiar with. But we can call those vendors and say, you know, hey, we have 10 people who have registered for this. Would you like to be a partner mm-hmm. of Mary My City? And who, here's who we are. So sure. makes that sale a little bit easier. So you're in Cedar Rapids and... Cedar Rapids, Iowa City combined, or just Cedar Rapids right now? Cedar Rapids, Iowa City combined. combined and just sense. recently, uh, Des Moines. Mm-hmm. So where are you going next? So we're headed to Kansas City. Uh, we actually just, I gave a presentation uh, virtually to uh, One Million Cups Kansas City yesterday, and we've started creating vendor relationships there. Nice. Um, we have some other adjacent cities uh, right outside of Iowa, Omaha, Madison, Um we're looking actually into smaller communities like Decorah, but really? but um, the size is smaller, yet they have a really good local ecosystem there. People are supporting local, and we find that those little pockets like a Decorah are close enough to cities like Cedar Rapids, um, Madison, Minneapolis that people, Des Moines, will drive there for the weekend and take experiences well, I was going to say, well. I mean, to me that works both ways because there's some beautiful places in northeast Iowa that are not like Des Moines. 
And I'm thinking about, you know, the Platteville, Wisconsin uh, area. Oh, yeah, Gorgeous certainly. areas that, to me, it makes sense to be on the local list. I just wonder how much the local vendors are bothered by that because you, know, you get the, the vendor conflict, right? It's like, mm-hmm. hang on, I thought this was a local site. Right, yeah. You know, we haven't ha- come across that yet. Good. I think um, because Iowa is a smaller state with fewer people, we kind of rep right now that Iowa local brand. And yeah. any city in Iowa, any customer in Iowa sees value in that. Sure. Sure. We've also been able to promote these day trips. So getting people from Cedar Rapids or Iowa City to go to Des Moines for the weekend and, you know, spend the night somewhere, go to a show um, and kind of make that an experience. So as she's mentioning Decorah, you know, these are uh, checking out some of these smaller towns and maybe there's not 15 breweries in that town that we can add to the registry and create a whole city worth of experiences. But there are still some really amazing spots for people to check out that they may not have been to before. Yeah, I'm just thinking about things like our Civic Center with the Broadway plays and some of the there's a lot of tier two plays as well that are just amazing experiences. But if you didn't have a reason, you almost need to be sent to the first one to find out just how cool it really is. So so what are your, some of your favorite experiences that you've been able to get on the site or curate to the site? Um, well, I have to plug the dance lessons because well, I do think do. that um, guests really like to give dance lessons and it's an opportunity for couples that wouldn't otherwise maybe try that on their own. Maybe they're th- a little nervous or they think they're not a dancer. So um, that's a really good active experience. And then um, we have one that sells almost every single time and it's um, it's a local roaster. Uh, he's out of Tama, Ross Street Roasting, and he does a three-month coffee subscription. Um, that sells so well, and it's great because it, he ships all over, you know. Um, but I say that because that really spurred kind of this three-month delivery process that we've tried with other vendors mm-hmm. and the Outside Scoop, which is in Indianola, which is my hometown. Yeah. Um, they do a three-month ice cream subscription for us now. That's got to be fun in Yeah, August. and we've already sold it, and she's super excited to do it, that's to ship the ice cream. So. Pack it with dry ice, and off it goes. Exactly. So nice. that's been great. Nice. Another top seller um, in the Cedar Rapids area is the Ceramic Center hosts um, these ceramics classes. And I think there is this alluring factor of, you know, we feel really cool registering for this stuff. Because maybe it's not something, as a couple, we do all the time. But we'd like to try something new in our sure. own community. So um, people love that one. Uh, and and it does allow them to just get out and try something different and have that um, experience together as a couple, a newly married couple. Yeah, it, it, again, coming back to this idea that People are so past stuff. I was, my wife and I got married at later, no, not later in life, but we were both 28. We both had our own households. I owned a house. She had an apartment. We both had all this stuff already. And it's like we had two sets of dishes. We don't need another set of dishes. And back then, that was about all there was. Now, today, there are other people in the online world of registry. You have competition out there. Can you just kind of tell us about a couple of them that you actually think are close to what you do? I mean, we know the big boxes do it and all that. But um, tell us about some of the people that are, are your competition out there. You bet. Yeah. And you you hit the nail on the head. So to give you some stats, 75% of couples are actually living together now before marriage nationally. And the average age of a bride is about 29 and groom is 31. So people are very well established. They're kind of following this minimalist um, trend Mm -hmm. and they're just not wanting to acquire that stuff. So I think other people have picked up on that, obviously. Um, And you'll still have those big box stores, which are in that market. Honey Fund was probably the first to venture out and say, you know, we're going to actually collect cash for experiences on honeymoon specifically. So that was the one that kind of um, jump-started that movement. Now we've we've located other um, competitors in different markets, um, one of which is, is 
is by the name of Vibo, and they are out on the West Coast. And so we really find that we're trying to hone in on the um, on the Midwest area right now um, because we do think you know this buying segment is a little bit different. So we're kind of understanding this Midwest. Um, the, the Midwest well, and culture. just like in the funding world, as we talked about earlier, the Midwest gets overlooked. It gets overlooked by large scale companies too. That's like, oh yeah, Chicago. It's like, well, yeah, that's one little piece of the Midwest. Um, it's not the whole thing. Right. So I, I, you know, you were talking about the the changes in buying habits. Habits, and I, I read something this morning that Bed Bath and Beyond's earnings are just way off, and their stock has has happened three times in a row or twice in a row, and their stock is just crashing. And I I think about that box, and it is it's the ultimate big box, just stuffed to the gills with with stuff. And it makes perfect sense that it's that it's going down, if you will. So, what's worked best for you to drive demand from the from the couples getting married? How do you find them, and how do you drive demand to your site? I think what's key is that when we connect with couples and we say experiences don't need more stuff, their eyes light up and they're like, they say what you said about you and you and your wife. They say, oh, we already live together. We don't need more stuff. So it's like they're already thinking in this direction anyway, and we provide them an opportunity to still register for something because they know they're going to get gift cards in the mail from their wedding guests, guests if they don't do a registry. Um, this gives them the opportunity to choose what those experiences are and those local restaurants or other establishments are that they want to support. Yeah, and the, and the thing you're in Des Moines now, which is one great foodie place, we had a blog come through on our site about, a, or an article come through about a couple that moved from Memphis, which is a real foodie town. They said they were just blown away that the food experience is better in Des Moines than it is in Memphis. And my wife and I travel a lot, and, and we are into eating. Um, you can tell by my waistline for all you viewers <laughs> out there. Uh, but it is it is funny. You'll go into these bigger cities, and it's like, you know, the food's just as good in Des Moines and just as much variety, and it's not as expensive, and we didn't have to have a hotel. and yeah. So you have all this on a website. So does either one of you build right code for a living? We do not, no. And we've learned firsthand that it's expensive to have someone else do it. But um, Caitlin built her registry, which was our our MVP. She did that on Shopify. And mm. then after that, we moved to Wix and I mm. built out, I manipulated a Wix platform sure. to do multiple registries at once. And that allowed us to actually start bringing in revenue. And once we realized we had something that worked, we went ahead and paid custom for, sure. we worked with um, a development team out of Cedar Rapids. And then most recently with uh, We Write Code here in Des Moines. Yep. Yep. Well, and it's it's nice to be able to leverage some of these new tools. I know I had to build a site for a conference I did. And in the old days, you would have had to hire somebody to build it. And there's a product called Weebly, just another one of these website products. And I used to write code, but that was 30 years ago. I don't really know anything about coding today. And it, it felt like, you know, really laying out a PowerPoint, a nice PowerPoint slide deck. By the time I got done, it was so simple. And you can prototype on that. And you can have a store and you can have customers and sign-ins and all this. And yeah, it costs a little bit of money to rent the spot, but we're talking about a couple hundred bucks, not yeah, I highly recommend going that route. If you are trying to test out a platform, you don't really know what features you need yet. You don't really know who your customers are. Um, it's a very inexpensive route versus going straight to a firm um, that's going to charge you hourly. And they're, they're going to be able to provide some custom options for you. But again, it's a learning curve. If you don't know what you need, that's a very expensive route to, to go To me, right off that's the, the thing is you can prototype and prototype and prototype to death. I don't Very few people know this, but uh, Groupon was built on top of WordPress. 
And when they were just flying, it was still just a hacked up WordPress site. I mean, it, they didn't really see any reason to change it. It's like, it works. Um, Craigslist, it works. Yeah, and if well, you can make it work and bring right? the sales in, then let yeah. it ride for as long as you can. Yeah, exactly. So um, what other tech is involved in Mary My City? What other tech do you have to have? Is there anything else? I mean, you're doing social media marketing. Are you, are you using other tech to do outreach or follow-up? Yeah, so our platform that we currently have is kind of the extent of uh, that technical piece, but we do have some marketing efforts in place. Uh, We're working with a local marketing company right now, uh, Sprout Media, and we um, actually brought on um, an intern early on last year out of the University of Iowa who helps us with some of our uh, social media marketing, um, some direct mailing campaigns, and now we are working with Iowa State. We just got to spread the love, Um, and we have an intern through Iowa State um, who's now signing on to help us with a little bit of marketing marketing efforts as well. So we're kind of diversifying that, testing out. We're really in the experimental phase to see, you know, what is going to hit? Is it those Facebook ads? Mm -hmm. Um, Is it more that direct mailing side? Um, Is it just trying to get those repeat customers through people who have already been through our site? Uh, So uh, we're in that learning phase of marketing right now and seeing, you know, what's going to hit and then we'll kind of put our resources there. Yeah, so I was going to ask you, do you know your, you don't have to talk about what the number actually is, but are you at the point where you can measure customer acquisition costs and the value of a customer? Are you at that point? We're getting there. Yeah, we, we actually just put together a, a neat little uh, spreadsheet that um, updates live from our website. Nice. So we yeah, we are gaining data that gives us real numbers about how many registries we have that are live, when they come on, when they start selling, how much uh, retail dollars are coming from each registry. And I think as we refine that data, we will be able to give an actual number on those costs. It's interesting to think about your product because it's pretty light on the technical demand. I mean, it's not like you really even would need a full-time programmer because it might be nice, but it's not like you're you're constantly changing the site. It's mostly just adding adding experiences and taking experiences down. And exactly, and we can do all of that ourselves. Um, the platform that we've built upon um, was not from scratch. We actually uh, were able to use something that already existed. It's just kind of a robust um, e-commerce platform that that our coders manipulated for us. Um, but now it's to the point where we can update all of those easy things on our own and then yeah if we could keep a a developer on retainer for the bigger things that'd be great yeah i understand so let's back away from your product a little bit and let's talk about the ecosystem you're in a strong ecosystem in cedar rapids caitlin and and talus you're now in des moines another strong ecosystem when you look at the iowa startup ecosystem either in here or cedar rapids you know what do you think needs to be done to strengthen it so going back to that technical piece um you know i would venture to say that all companies are in some way a tech company these days. And uh, we do some stuff at Nubo Co. with um, getting CS education in in schools. So we know, you know, some stats around there's, you know, some 4,000 open computing jobs with about 360, 70 graduates a year to fill those jobs that are in the computer science space. So we really see that as a, we need to be educating that next generation of right. talent. To, we need to be putting a lot of resources there uh, because we're finding as a startup, you know, while we may not right now need a full-time developer, uh, we will 
will have a tough time locating somebody who we can who we can bring on um, who has that experience right. around here. And we and we love staying here in Iowa and and um, all things Iowa. So we would like to be able to have that talent. Um, right here, uh, you know, whether it's in Cedar Rapids, Des Moines, or elsewhere, um, but we we definitely see that as um, so an issue that that might spring up at some point. Um, so that technical talent piece, I think, is top of mind for us. How about from a founder support standpoint? Are you, do you feel like as co-founders or founders, you're getting the kind of? Do you talk to other founders? Are you networking with other founders? Do you do you get support from other founders? Do you think the community is establishing itself that way? I mean, there's been a huge transition even in the last few years, I think. Um, and we've been in the space since then, but we've noticed there's just a lot of referrals. You know, we talk to one person and they mention another contact. And so we've been able to really um, use those use those contacts to help gather information at different stages of our business. And um, everybody's very, very excited about helping us move, uh, move the business along and grow the business. And uh, so we do find that that support system is there. Now, I think we do have room in the state of Iowa to grow just the sheer number of startups that we have. Yes, we do. Um, yes so, you know, the, the, there's more successes all around. Um, and that, you know, then ends up helping everybody so that we have a lot of models to go off of and we have a lot of uh, people to replicate after and, um, and follow in their footsteps. So I definitely think while we're doing fantastic, there's always more work to be yeah, done. I agree. Well, Caitlin and Talos, thank you very much for joining me on Startup Stories. Thank you so much. Of course. Thanks for having us, Mike. Thanks for listening to Startup Stories DSM podcast. Inspired by this startup story, visit dsmpartnership.com slash business resources to find upcoming events, videos, and other free resources dedicated to helping startups and entrepreneurs accelerate success in DSM USA. That's dsmpartnership.com slash business resources. Thanks for listening.